Thanks, Becky. Uh, great to see you this morning. Hey, Sunridge, if you're watching online right now and you're seeing other people show up in our chat, we always just ask you to say hello to someone that you know. If you're new, say I'm new. Uh, just throw that in there. We promise we won't do anything weird to you, but uh, a few of our folks will give you a shout out. Thanks for joining us, whether you're a longtime Sunridge or you're just an online guest with us today. We really uh, appreciate uh, you giving us the time on Sunday morning to share a few things with you from God's Word. Uh, I do want to point out that this is a Labor Day weekend, and you know, if you're if you're not up on the history of Labor Day as a federal holiday here in this country, you know, around the turn of the 19th century, uh, we had a strong labor movement, and it has made a difference in this country and what is available to people. That's, that's not a political statement in any way. Uh, you know, whether you're a union member or a CEO or a business owner, I think we can all say that the labor movement in general uh, has made this country better. And so a big shout out to all of the people that make this country work, whether you're digging some product out of the ground or you're turning that dirt or ore into something that's useful or manufacturing that into something that can do work or whether you're own, the owner of that company, it was your idea. This is such a fantastic place to be. And you know, <clears throat> in the kingdom of God, human flourishing is, is really based on our, our fiscal stability and our material ability to provide for our family and ourselves. So thank God we live in a place where that opportunity is available to us. So big shout out to the history of labor in this country. I'm going to start off with like a real basic question today. Our talk um, what do you think is the biggest problem in the world today? How's that for an opener? What's, what's the major issue that we're facing today, whether you think globally or nationally, within our own community, or perhaps even in your home? I believe that there is a common thread to the issues that we're facing today, and it is this. We can't talk. We can't talk. Our inability to talk with one another uh, may not be the biggest problem directly, but it affects every other problem, right? I mean, the fact that we cannot talk makes it impossible for us to resolve any issue that we're facing today. And as we look at this cultural moment uh, in this nation and even around the world, we see that this is something that's, that we're living in this time. You know, whether we, we talk about the COVID pandemic or whether it's even a pandemic, right? Um, uh, whether health guidelines are fair or whether they should be applied or, may, you know, the economic issues that are tied to this, whether we talk about policing or protesting, um, whether we talk about vaccinations or... Uh, labor versus uh, corporations. I mean, it's like there's so many issues that we're facing. And you can see that there's a common thread that we have to be able to talk. Just think about your week this week. And not, not just at the macro level, but at the micro level. Where you live, day in and day out. And any conflict that you had or any like important conversation that may have led to conflict. Wasn't your ability 
or inability to communicate part of either resolving that or coming to a healthy conclusion or it just turning into a nightmare, right? Communication is so important. So this series that we're starting today, Let's Talk. Let's Talk is about how it's possible for us to meet people where they are, even if they, where they are isn't where we are, right? Um, and what an appropriate thing to talk about after the way we've challenged ourselves in this faith community on something that is uh, tension-filled for us to discuss and because we don't all agree. Uh, we don't, even those of us who do agree don't all agree on everything. So, appropriate time for us to have this series. Now, in the, in the chat, our uh, online host is going to throw up some of the books that I would recommend that I read uh, in preparing for this study. Uh, one is called, um, I Think You're Wrong, But I'm Still Listening. That's by Sarah Holland. Uh, that, what a great title, right? And I'll tell you a little bit about each one of these books. This one really is addressing some of the political dialogue that's going on. It, I mean, it has other uh, factors, but like that's kind of like the, the centerpiece that it talks about. Um, Finding the Right Hills to Die On by Gavin Ortland. It's really more about how we can process the theological differences that we have. It's a very accessible book, and uh, that'd be really helpful for you. Jesus Outside the Lines by Scott Sauls is a more general conversation about the things that make it difficult for us to talk about and how we're so easily outraged by what's happening in our world and how can we come together as Jesus followers or be with one another, but then also uh, be part of the dialogue in our world today from uh, kind of a gospel-centered uh, place when we come to the conversation. And then if you really want something a little deeper and something to chew on, uh, Exclusion and Embrace by Miroslav Volf. I mean, of course, with that name, it's going to be heavy reading. So, uh, you know, all of these kind of like have, you know, a different flavor to them. And I would recommend that you pick one up and read it and maybe even talk with other people about it. Do a little book study. Today, my title or what I want to talk about is The Lost Art of Listening. And, you know, when I, when I wrote that title, I thought, you know, is it really lost? Did we ever even have it, you know? And if, if we have never found it, how could it ever have been lost? But, you know, James, in his letter to the Messianic Jews of his time, that is, uh, people who were formerly Jewish who became Christians in the first century church, he writes this general letter with his name as its title, James. We studied this book uh, maybe a year or two ago. It's in our archives if you want to just go through that letter uh, verse by verse, but he weighs in on this ability or inability to talk in his first chapter in verse 19 when he says, my dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Now, I know that many of you that are listening to this today or watching online, you, you're familiar with this verse, but let's not let familiarity breed contempt. Let's, let's like sink into this. You know, there are words that are critical to understanding this simple sentence, but it's power-packed for us today. He says that we are to be quick to listen, and that's not about our miles per hour, but it's about our enthusiasm. The quickness here is to be enthusiastic about um, 
about listening. And, you know, even if you want to think of it in terms of a foot race, listening should be the front runner. And to listen is not just like to sit and let, you know, sounds or auditory uh, waves kind of go into your brain. It's to actually engage, obviously, in what is being said. That's what it means to be listened. And, then, and to listen. And then on the other side, is, he just simply says to be slow to speak. So if listening and speaking are in a foot race, listening should always win, is what James is saying. Now, this is not going to be a newsflash to you, but, you know, communication has two parts, right? There is the speaking part. And when we're communicating with one another, you know, we're, it's on us to articulate well, to think about what we're going to say, to not ramble. Uh, yeah, Britt, you should take that uh, lesson as well in your messages. Uh, you know, it's about packaging, saying things the right way. And, of course, we all have a lot to learn in uh, you know, in, in terms of how we communicate, how we say words. But the other part is listening. And so these two things, to not be overly obvious, they have to sync up in order for communication to take place. Someone will be talking and someone will be listening. If that's like an aha moment for you, right now put in the chat, aha, or oh. It's like, oh, I never thought about that. See, you, you could learn something anytime from me. But here's the thing. James is saying that one is more important than the other. Listening. They're both part of conversation. One is more important, which means that when I'm preparing to have a conversation, particularly if it's something that is going to be challenging, or I, I know that it's going to be, it's going to have tension in it. The best thing that I could do is to prepare to listen. Now, isn't that different for you? I mean, it is for me because when I, when I think about going in to have a dialogue with somebody, I prepare my points, right? Almost like a sermon. I prepare what I'm going to say. And instead, James is suggesting that rather than getting our talking points ready, maybe we should get our questions ready so that we can understand. Now, just imagine, let's go down, let's go into fantasy land here. And let's just imagine that in our world today, listening became a higher value, as James is saying, than talking. In Congress. I, I know, it's like hard to imagine, but just imagine the Republican side and the Democrat side both coming into session with like all their questions for one another about how to understand. Or let's, let's just really uh, go like to fantasy land and when the presidential debates come on, rather than bombs being thrown back forth and sound bites by one another, what if the two candidates had a conversation where they were really seeking to understand one another? Can, can you imagine how this would be, or, or let's, let's consider that maybe the CDC got together with American economists and they said, how do we work together to make this country move forward? Imagine this, mask wearers and non-mask wearers coming together to seek to understand and ask questions. Can you imagine the next employee supervisor 
uh, discussion you have in your job uh, that, can you imagine if you both came together with questions for one another to seek the other side? I know. It's kind of like dreamland, isn't it? For James, this is not a communication point he's making. This is important. It's not a communication point. It is a Christian point. He says, my dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. He he makes a plea to them on, notice the words and the tone. He says, my dear brothers, and of course included in that is sisters as well. Like, my family. About what I'm about to say, I want you to take note of. That is, what I'm about to say is really, really important. I, I got five chapters here, a very short letter. But this thing that I'm about to say, I really want you to take note of. I'm underlining it. I'm highlighting it. And he says, everyone, everyone should be quick to listen. It is the preferred way for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Not necessarily how it is, but how it should be. Basically, James is saying, and this is the first point, if you're following along in your notes, listening is not a social grace. It's evidence of God's grace. You know, I can tell you that I have, over the years, been blessed with friends that um, we don't all agree on everything we talk about, whether it's uh, what the rules are in Rummy Cube or whether you should wear a mask or not. Uh, And I, I have to say that some of my friends have really messed up ideas about how to use the wild in Rummy Cube, but we've continued to become be friends. But I have been blessed by friends who with whom we can have a conversation about things that are different. And if you have that, you know, like you know how rare that is and what a precious gift that is. But James is saying that this isn't just like a precious gift and we should appreciate it. He's saying that this is a Christian thing as brothers and sisters in Christ. The kind of listening that James is referencing here is not just a learned skill, though there are skills involved. It's not just a social grace, but grace is involved. It is about God's grace. So a little context here, because when we're reading something like this, like James, we're reading a letter, right? This is a letter that James wrote to Hebrew Christians of the day, scattered in different places. And of course, you know, we're all, we only have half the conversation, so we try to put these pieces together. But with James's letter, it's pretty easy to see what was going on. And we know because of the historical context that tensions are high in the first century church. Uh, James's letter, again, is written to believers who come from the Hebrew tradition. So just imagine all the change and turmoil that they're experiencing, you know, from where they worshiped. I mean, they used to Many of them continue to worship in temple, but now they're in a church. A church setting is likely to be in a home, and it's, it's entirely different. The women aren't sitting in one space of the temple. 
They're sitting with them in many cases, or maybe just across the room. It's a much smaller communication space. And rather than the rabbi talking, there are multiple voices teaching. And rather than following just the Torah, they have the writings or the teachings of the apostles, or they have a letter from the apostle Paul. And so there's so much change and turmoil for them. So James says in the middle of that, in his letter, he says, you need patience because in that change, God is going to do something if you endure through it. And we, we know from his letter that the religion of their day had become more about being high on the way things were and their traditions, but it missed the heart. And they were neglecting the most important things, James says, like caring for people. And they had traded caring for people for arguing and slandering and hatred and favoritism because of category, ethnic, or economic wealth instead of actually working out their faith with one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. And so they were mean-spirited to each other. They were using sharp words and labels, and they were fighting and grumbling. And James says they were destroying each other all in the name of their religion. So what you're saying, Britt, is they couldn't talk, right? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. In fact, put that in the chat right now. Let's just all acknowledge that when we read about these early Christians who are struggling with all the turmoil and changes in their life, they couldn't talk. Put that in the chat, in, in the chat right now. Just let me know you're still there. Actually, it's worse than that. It's worse than that because they're living the opposite of listening. And they're doing so in a prideful and in good conscience among themselves. You know, I just think that this cultural moment that we're living in with COVID, and we were already in a place where it was becoming difficult for Christians to talk among one another, certainly political parties to talk with one another, but also for Christians to talk with people that are not Christians. And everybody's kind of been scattering to their corners and posting up and building walls. And it's, there, it's, COVID has added to that and it's created a whole new pressure cooker to do all this in. And so it creates fear and we take sides and we're, we're less likely to talk to one another. And if James were here, if we took his message in his, in his five chapter letter, he would say, take note brother and sister. It shouldn't be like that. You should listen because listening is evidence of God's grace. Now, everything that James says or the early or first century writers is based on the teachings of Jesus. And so this next point takes us back to like the, 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 the basis for which James is saying this. And your second point is fulfilling the most important commandment requires the posture of a listener. And I'm going to tell you why I said that. As the first century lived out their faith, they had some core things it would go back to in, in terms of the teachings of Jesus. One was the Sermon on the Mount. 
In fact, uh, when this series is over, we're going to do an in-depth study of that sermon. I think it's 18 messages uh, in all. We're just going to take our time and go through that. They were also greatly influenced by the golden rule, which is to treat others as you would like to be treated. And then this text that we're going to look at today, something that has been called the greatest commandment. And the context here, we're going to look in Mark's gospel, uh, is that Jesus is asked kind of in a trick or to trip him up, like what's the greatest commandment? And he, and he quotes from the Torah, only he kind of puts his spin on it. And in Mark 12, 29, he answers the most important one or the commandment, Jesus answered, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord God, the Lord is one. Lo- love the Lord God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is this to love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Now, what is this about? Um, You need to realize that at this time, we have a very strong oral tradition going on. There's paper and parchment or ink, all these things that we take for granted in terms of like books and, and papers, like super expensive. And so they rely very much on an oral tradition. And so in, any, in anything, simplifying is a necessity. And so Jesus is simplifying for his followers or those that are considering following him what is most important. And so he just boils this down. It's like a reduction. And remember, he's asked about one thing. He answers with two, but then he calls it one all to simplify and reset their perspective. And this is coming from the Torah, and this section is called the Shema. The uh, traditional Jewish believers repeat this uh, in the morning, sometimes in the evening as well. And the word Shema comes from this word in verse 29, which is here. Shema, to Shema is to hear. And you know, the history of God's people is to not hear the Lord. And yet, following Jesus begins with the capacity to hear. That's what Jesus is saying. And you know, again, the, the history of the, the, the nation of Israel, God's people, is their prophets constantly trying to turn them back to hear the Lord, but how often do they fail in that way? In Jeremiah 6.10, who, if you're not familiar, he was a prophet, a voice for God in their cultural moment, and he says, to whom can I speak and give warning? Who will listen to me? Their ears are closed so that they cannot hear. The word of the Lord is offensive to them, and they find no pleasure in it. In other words, God's prophets with God's people over the centuries were constantly inviting God's people to simply listen. That was relevant in their time, and I think it remains relevant because in the end we're all just people, right? And we seem to make the same mistakes over and over again. How do we hear the Lord? Well, of course, 
through the teachings and life of Jesus Christ. Hebrews 1.3 says that the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. So if we're going to hear God, we have to hear him first of all through the filter or through the base fundamental starting point of Jesus and his teachings. We apprentice under him as our Lord. But also, you know, included in that is the Bible. We have the Holy Spirit. We have circumstances. And of course, we have people. People who give us narratives. For one, people gave us the Bible through the Holy Spirit's inspiration. But then we also see, even in the Bible, people speaking into people's lives. When they got it wrong, encouraging them when they got it right. We have the apostles who brought the teaching. These were people. So when we say, I listen to God, that's, we would all say a good hearty amen to that. But that's not valid without considering the input of our brothers and sisters in Christ. Because God speaks to us through them. And to not do so diminishes our growth. So to hear the Lord, to be a follower of Jesus or the creator God, it begins with listening, Jesus says. But there's another part to this when in regards to listen. Because listening is one of the ways that we show love to people. When we talk about loving one another, loving our neighbor as ourself. Listening is part of that, isn't it? I can't tell you how many robust discussions Cindy and I have had over our almost 42 years of being married. Next, well, this coming week, September 8th, we'll mark 42 years together. And um, that's a credit to her for sure not so much me, but I can tell you that often our conflicts or the times when she felt least loved was when I either was unwilling or unable, which is kind of like unwilling, gussied up, right, um, to listen. When she did not feel listened to me, she doesn't feel loved. Whether that is because I'm distracted and I'm doing work on my computer or I'm watching sports or whether I had that glazed look in my eye like, you know, she's saying one thing and I'm thinking about, you know, football, baseball, something. Actually, I'm just thinking, I'm praying in my mind. That's now that I really think about it and thinking about scripture. Um, no, she, and she would bust me or she would be, she's talking while we're driving and then she, there's some sign that I give off. I, if I only knew what that was, I wouldn't give off those signs. Um, and she says, are you listening to me? And I'm like, yeah, I'm listening to you. What did I just say? And you know, there's that, that inner thing where I'm just trying to pull words from like, that kind of stand out in my mind over the last five minutes when she's been talking, like, you know, the girls, dog, children. I just start throwing those words out because that's all I can remember. I'm just busted. You know what I'm saying. If you've been married or, or you are married, <laughs> maybe you're not married anymore because you haven't been listening. I don't know. You see, listening is an opportunity to express humility and love, and we might even learn something when we listen.
So these are, all, these are three good reasons to listen. It could be you just want to express humility in that situation. Or you might want to show love to that person. Or you might even learn. So think about the conversations that you had this week. And pick one of these words that stands out is for a good reason for you to have listened better. Should you have been more humble? Should you have been more loving? Or was it an opportunity to learn? Throw that in the chat. Pick one of those words. Maybe you've heard somebody say this before. I don't need to listen because I already know what I think. I've heard people say that before. And sometimes it sounded like my voice saying it. I don't know what that is. But the truth is, we cannot love without listening. It's impossible. But as much as we want to do that, there's so much working against us doing that. And that's the next point. Listening requires overcoming the obstacles caused by our brokenness. It's, it's not easy because there's something in us that keeps us from doing that. And that's our brokenness. There's a host of obstacles to, that prevent us from listening. One is physiological. Our, uh, have you ever felt like listening is so exhausting? Like just to really listen, it's like it's tiring. You know why? Because our psychologists tell us that our brains are lazy. And so I think I've talked about this before, but you know, your frontal cortex, something that human beings have been gifted with is, you know, like something that's extra special. That's where like rationale and the ability to go back and forth and process something happens. But that's a lot of work. But then we have a smaller part of our brain called the amygdala. And that's just a binary thing that just goes back to survival. Choose now. It's just like one thing or the other. And it's much easier. It's much less energy for your brain to just go left, right rather than the process. So that's, it's truly, it truly works our brain harder to listen. But then there's the psychological part of it as well, where, you know, ego is in the way. Uh, we have, because of our ego, we have confirmation bias. We have fear. And all these things are like a router in our brain so that we cannot process anything that challenges what, anything that we already think which makes us, uh, which, which doesn't really affect our ability to talk, but it does affect our ability to listen. But this is more than that. The, the obstacles in front of us are more than physiological, they're more than psychological. Listening requires us to battle against our old nature. To not listen is carnal. It's a carnal reaction. And it really comes down to our heart because listening does involve our ears and our brain, but, uh, but there's a bigger part that, that controls all of that, and it's our heart. And James brings this out in the effect of anger on listening. If we just keep reading this verse over and over again, we'll see it. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Maybe James here is recalling some of the more difficult conversations that he's had. That person that is hard to listen to, maybe because of their quirks or maybe because they're a rambler. But especially, I think, what he's bringing out is those things that are particularly challenging to us that we want to speak over. 
And when we're doing that, it's like, isn't there like an anger that comes up within us when we're in this discussion in which we're not agreeing? I wonder if James had been listening in to my conversations. Has there been any anger in your conversations of late? Anger in a dialogue indicates that I'm not listening. It's not evidence of God's grace, but of sin. And just like other sins, just like other sins like lust and greed and lying and power or abuse, the inability to listen to another brother or sister in Christ or to your spouse or to your children is really evidence of our brokenness. And we have to overcome those natural deficiencies through the Holy Spirit. Carnality causes anger. Grace creates a listening heart. I wonder how many of you who have become Christians that, that you know, uh, you can remember. You didn't uh, follow Jesus as a child, but later in life you chose Christ. But you can probably remember a time where you were unwilling to listen. There were just these obstacles in the way that you couldn't get over. And like for some of us, for some, like when our friend or family member would talk about the gospel with us, it wouldn't make us angry because it's challenging something inside us that is just natural and earthly and fleshly. When I'm tempted to speak over and be angry, that's probably the most important time to not do so. Now, lastly, and this kind, of con- this kind of tags off of the last idea, listening is the result of the transformative work of God. See, we don't naturally do this. This is something that God wants to change in us, and let's just read on. Let's review and then read forward again. My dear brothers in James 1.19, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. The righteous life that God desires, the life that God desires for us, the life that is available to us, the life that Jesus invites us into requires transformation. It requires change from an egoistic or self-centered orientation of life to one that is Christ-centered. It requires changing from being culturally drawn or culturally shaped to being shaped and centered on the Holy Spirit. The anger we react with instead of listening is part of a greater problem that requires transformation in the life of a believer. And this is what James goes on to say. In verse 21, he says, Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word. Do you see how listening is a common theme, whether it's to the word of God or to one another? And so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a person or a man who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. 
There's a great picture there, but we don't have time to unpack that. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he's heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. And so see how this is a continuing thought of what James has been talking about with just saying we should be quick to listen and slow to speak. There are obstacles in the way that require transformation. There's a moral filth. And there's an evil that prevails in us. And you know, doesn't that just all boil down to human pride? James contrasts the true listener. The true listener lays aside these behaviors and influences that make it impossible for us to listen. We exchange self for Jesus. We exchange culture for the Holy Spirit's guidance and direction in our life. And then we don't just talk about it. We don't just say it, but we follow that through. And that can only happen when those barriers between us and the righteous life that God desires for us are removed. We often think of the transforming work of God in in like overcoming addictions or lust or greed. But James is highlighting the destructive consequences that stem or like the, even the, the basis for which we cannot listen. So then listening is not just a nice social grace or a good people skill. This is something that God changes us. It's important because of the cultural moment we are in. Listen to me, Sunridge Christian or explorer or seeker of faith or just an online guest that you're looking for a church. We are in a moment that is different. It's different than anything we face. Yes, it's always been hard to listen to one another. And we've always had conflict. That's nothing new. But this is a particularly crazy moment in time. And I think it's especially dangerous for us as Christians. I'm not saying that, you know, listening to somebody means to agree with them, but we have come to a place in the church, in many churches and among many Christians, where to not listen feels like a virtue. And James says, it's not. In fact, there are many warnings in the Bible about the consequences of not listening, which is far greater. This danger of not listening, is, it's a far greater danger than my mind being changed to something that is dangerous. The word of God is, is there for us. The Holy Spirit is there. And Jesus' shoulders are big enough for us to engage in conversation about the things that the world just doesn't seem to be able to talk about. Proverbs 18, 13 warns about not listening. It says, he who answers before listening, that is his folly and his shame. You see, Christian, there is no virtue in being a non-listener. I'm going to ask the band 
to come up at this time. And as I just kind of wrap up, I ask, you know, how do we respond to this? How do we not just become hearers of the word, but doers as well? And how do we take this in as Christians? I think that all of us live like, you know, I want to especially talk to those of you like you're in high school or early college or maybe even late junior high. You're in a moment and you're going to have the history of this. All of us have kind of like our thing. And, and um, I don't know, sociologists and everything say the thing that happens in your high school, early college years, it kind of stays with you throughout your life. And, you know, the, the thing of my day, the spirit of the day was the hippies right? That's, sorry, uh, you know, that was my thing. And, you know, the challenges then were like free love and, and open sex and rock and roll and drugs and bell-bottoms, especially bell-bottoms. They should come back. But today, today, the thing that you will remember about this time, high schooler, college person, you're going to remember COVID, and of course how you couldn't go to school and all the social distancing that has happened, but you're going to remember a culture that could not talk with one another. And COVID has made it worse, but we have these big things going on in our world. There's differences between generations. There's racial differences. There are political differences. And if we just are honest with each other, there are differences in our own lives, our interpersonal relationships and our marriages. And all of this has probably made it worse. And you know, sometimes even in the church, we face these differences. There's more to come in this series about let's talk, but talking begins with a heart that has been shaped by the gospel that honors those that have been made in the image of God and recognizes that that person is someone in whom God has placed his spirit. And they have value. And even though we don't understand their experience, they have an experience. They have, they have something that we don't have. And we have the opportunity to, to not just engage and learn from one another and to express humility and love to each other, but we have an opportunity to gain from one another. And we have an opportunity to lead in this time, in this cultural moment, Christian, to be people who are listeners so that we might bring the gospel into our conversation, so that we might reflect the nature of Jesus Christ. My hope is that Sunridge, as a church, you, as a Christian, that we are becoming people who can listen. What do you think? Let's pray, and the band is ready to go, right? you pray with me? God, our hearts are open to what you want to teach us. Would you break us in the places that we need to be broken? Soften our hard parts. Soften our hardened hearts that, that make us withdraw because of fear or anxiety or, or just because we don't agree and we just don't have any more patience for that, that next conversation. I pray that you would do a work, a transformative work, and our hearts and our souls. 
that we might listen to each other and that we would be quick to do that, as James said. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank you, Sunridge.